Hey everyone, you're listening to Can You Hear Us Now? Inclusivity in the Media, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of those in marginalized communities who are frequently overlooked in the mainstream media. Each week we discuss new topics in order to promote representation of those who are recurrently silenced or ignored. Our program aims to bring awareness to these issues in order to stimulate inclusivity in the media. Let's get into it. Women, uh, women of color, people of color in films have just been relegated to such sort of flat or stereotypical roles that it's easy to like look and to either just completely gloss over or like be able to um, think, oh, I know them. And if you think you completely understand somebody because they've been portrayed in such a flat way, then it's easy to think you have mastery over them. Sarah Blush is a teaching assistant professor of women's and gender studies at UNC Chapel Hill. Blush has a PhD in religious studies and her research examines how feminist, queer, and critical race theory intersect with Christianity and neoliberal policies and cultural practices in the United States. She teaches several courses at the university centering around gender, feminist thought, and pop culture, including a class called Gender and Film, where she examines gender and its representations in film. We sat down to talk to her about exactly that. Yeah, um, so I think I, I do want to get into the representation, but I think first we kind of like need to understand what exactly is happening within the um, cinema and media within like in itself. So I guess the first question. So, uh, what general trends in representation uh, of women within cinema have you observed over the years, and uh, could you point to like a specific example of this? Um, so yeah, it's interesting because on the one hand, on the one hand, it feels, I think, rightfully very obvious to say representation is getting better, um, right? There just is more of a diversity of films, uh, right? Main characters, stories that are being told. Um, and so I think, I think on the one hand that is definitely happening. Um, and also, right? And also we still have so much of the same. So like um, I was right, taking down some notes and thinking about, we have all of this uh, move of the, right, women who are now get to be their own superhero stories, right? So like Captain Marvel, Black Widow, right? Sort of the trajectory of Wonder Woman. Um, and that's amazing. And then we also have, you know, sort of our very standard fare of like, what is it called? Marriage story, is that the? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, where it's like, okay, we will tell you about like a heterosexual marriage and looking at it in terms of its right, rise and disintegration and we will all be like pulled into really fairly standard gender roles. Um, so, so yeah, so on the one hand, I think that it does feel like something new is happening and also in lots of ways, some of these stories have already been being told. They just haven't been told in mainstream media. Okay, how would you say change comes about in media? Is it gradual or are there watershed moments such as the Me Too movement that bring about dramatic change very quickly? No, I, I think you will, you will find this. Um, a lot of my answers are going to be both and <laughs> or yes and. Um, so it's interesting because, right, like, 
the big watershed Me Too movement is, was 2017. So that's only what, four years from where we are now. And so movies take a long time to right, be conceptualized, be made, be funded, all of these sorts of things. And so I think, I think there has been this gradual change because obviously we're seeing a lot of right, like all of the movies that there's a huge amount that are coming out on Netflix that have all of these um, right different stories and characters. But but I think we're we're still doing a lot of the same. So it would be lovely if in the next you know five years we got um, yeah really sort of complicated, nuanced, uh, interesting stories. I think a lot of times also um, when like women, not always, but I think sometimes when women tend to become the main characters, um, the, the films are not always as like action-packed or exciting or complicated or nuanced. <laughs> and so, um, you know, bringing those two pieces together um, to have right complicated three-dimensional women who are like yeah active participants guiding and leading the movie um, but there's this 1996 film by black lesbian writer director filmmaker Cheryl Dunyer and her film called The Watermelon Woman is incredible <laughs> it's like complex it's funny it's a searing social critique it's Right, it's all of these pieces, um, but because number one, it was made in the '90s and right was therefore sort of shuffled into this box. There's been some um, like renewal of interest in the you know 20, 25 years later. So, um, how does the portrayal of women change when the character is queer? So, I actually. I'm going to connect that to uh, the question that comes directly after that, <laughs> which yeah. is right characters of color, because I think that those two things, or really those three things, uh, which I'll say in a minute, can't be taken apart, right? So when you're talking about gender, you're already always talking about sexuality. You're talking about race. When you're talking about representations of sexuality, that is always right, in and through and between racially gendered bodies. Um, and, so, and so thinking about what it means to think about representation um, and portrayal of queer characters or characters of color um, or queer characters of color. <laughs> so all of these things, all of these things um, can't really be taken apart. Um, and then we could also add certainly, right, like, class and like geographical place, nation and religion often are also, um, they're being portrayed even if they're not being named that they're being portrayed. Uh, so let's see, um, how does this change? Uh, I was thinking about, I was coming up with these different um, sort of sets of films that I was thinking through. And I mentioned The Watermelon Woman from 1996. And then there's a film that came out in 2011, Pariah. I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's also about a black lesbian uh, teenage girl 
and so on the surface, right, you have black lesbian protagonist of Watermelon Woman and black lesbian protagonist of um, Pariah. And Watermelon Woman is set in Philadelphia. Pariah is set in New York, right? So it's like urban, all these sorts of things. Both of them affect uh, searing social critique. You know, both of them are asking us to think about the complexities of right these intersections uh, and in representations. But Pariah is not it's not a happy movie, which is fine. But it's interesting to think about because even though Watermelon Woman and Pariah both give these right, sort of searing social critiques and um, Watermelon Woman doesn't fully take itself seriously, right? Like it sort of is playful, it's happy, you know, as it's thinking through these really difficult and complex things. So, so I guess part of, you know, this answer that I'm giving you right now is to say there isn't just one answer of what happens when all of a sudden you have, for example, a queer character, because it can be, right, it can be done in really significantly different ways. Um, and both even with the same attempt effect of, hey, you should be thinking about this and you should recognize, again, right, the 3D-ness, the non-flatness of what it means to be, right, humans in these webs of whiteness and power dynamics um, and, right, social expectations. Cool. So one specific thing that we were going to talk about um, was the idea of the Bechtel test. Mm -hmm. um, with you know the three prongs are that a movie has to have two female characters or female identifying characters who talk to each other about something other than a man. Um, so do you think that this sort of simplification is the productive or unproductive tool to like examine the examine the portrayal of women? Yeah. So so the Bechdel test comes from um, this writer cartoonist um, like comic. Uh, like animated comic, written out comics, um, person named Alison Bechdel. And Alison Bechdel wrote these series of like comic books, of comic strips, comics in the 80s. And the strip was called Dykes to Watch Out For. So in Dykes to Watch Out For, it's this sort of group of friends who are, right, lesbians, Dykes. Um, butch women and so but right there's also in the comic this diversity of um right racial representation ability disability class so it's basically like yeah this coming together of sexuality gender religion class race ability disability all these sorts of things right in the 80s and so two of the characters in dykes to watch out for in it's usually attributed about 1985, right, are they're like going down the street and they're like, oh, do you want to go watch a movie? And they're like, I have this rule. And then, right, lays out the three points that you just gave um, of, right, has to have two named female, like women, female characters, female presenting, and we can, that's what we'll talk about in a second, right, who talk to each other and who talk about something other than a man, right? Other than basically heterosexuality. 
and so so it's interesting because now and then I guess that was taken up into the film in the 90s um, like referenced in the film and so we see sort of that citational practice but it's interesting because the Bechdel test has now become right like so this dislodged from its original context cultural media touch point of oh can we use this to gauge things and I think it's super interesting and important to to remember that it like to credit and think about that it comes from again this sort of niche quote niche <laughs> culture subculture of right a bunch of dykes who are trying to navigate in this instance right mainstream Hollywood films and media and so and so yeah I think it does still have quite a bit um, to be helpful to tell us about because yeah films are still not super great in lots of ways about these things um, um yeah. what is your experience with the Bechtel test is that something you use um, in your film classes you know I mean I maybe implicitly um, we talk about it a little but actually actually not that much um, and by implicitly I mean since I'm the instructor, I select all the films that we will be viewing together, <laughs> like the ones that are on the syllabus. Um, and so, so all of these pieces go into, um, go into my thought process in what we select. But for example, the very first film that we start with of the semester um, is Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo from 1950, gosh, I think eight, I'd have to double check that. Um, but in Vertigo, that that does not pass the Bechdel test, <laughs> like at all, which is also an important thing to think about in, right, let's look at what's happening in this film that, yeah, is horribly problematic in lots of ways, because that also tells us something in thinking about feminist, right, critique and analysis. Um, so, yeah, and then and then we like move on to different smatterings. Although still, right, to find a film that is not centered, whether, right, you change the location, whether you change, um, right, thinking about like taking into account religion, so you're taking into account, right, like whiteness and like racialization, all these sorts of things. It's still quite hard to find films often that do not just center a heterosexual relationship as like the main driving force of the whole film. Yeah, um, I wanna be mindful of your time. So I guess one last question, and it kind of ties into um, what you were just talking about in terms of Hollywood not doing enough or, or doing enough. Um, so is there something tangible that people who work in the media industry can do uh, in order to uplift the voices of women and essentially ensure that uh, more media passes the Bechdel test? Yeah, I mean, I think, and I am, I am, I am absolutely not unique in saying this, but leadership really, like diversity in leadership is I think the only way that that happens. I mean, also, right, at the levels of funding and these sorts of things, but if you still only have like maleness, whiteness um, at the top of, you know, 
studios, hiring decisions, funding choices, what screenplays get read, um, all these sorts of things, then that's that's not going to change anything. The only thing that will change, I I really believe, <laughs> is when right women, queer people, people of color, queer women of color, right, trans women, non-binary, like when I'm I'm making this hand movement of like people moving up the ranks of leadership positions, um, because it's really easy to say we want to change things and really easy to not actually have to change things in a meaningful way because, because it's hard for you in terms of losing your standing and your privilege or like distributing it. Um, so yeah, I think Hollywood changes when Hollywood leadership changes. All right. Well, we are gonna let you go because we've We've taken all the time we can, from you, but thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. This thank was really you. fun and it was very lovely to meet all of you. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. It was great. This episode of the Can You Hear Us Now podcast was produced as part of the class project for Mijo 441, Diversity and Communication at the Hussman School of Journalism and Media at UNC Chapel Hill. This episode was produced by George Adonuti, Liz Morgan, and Brooks Bach and recorded on October 29th, 2021. Thanks for listening to the Can You Hear Us Now? Inclusivity in the Media podcast. We hope we were able to expand your mind and shed some light on this week's topic regarding the portrayal of women in media. As always, we encourage you to take a closer look at the media you consume and don't be afraid to advocate for those who might not have a voice. Make sure to tune in next time when we discuss how violence against women is framed in the media. You can also head over to our website at canyouhearusnowpodcast.com to check out more information and resources relating to our episodes. Be sure to leave a like on this episode and subscribe to our program. See you next time. Thank you.